And so, Lord God, I thank you that you are holy. I remember in seminary, a professor explaining that the word holy meant strange, different than us. So, God, I pray that you'd help us understand how it is that you're holy and that you would help us understand what it means to hallow your name, the name of the Holy One of Israel. Lord God, I pray that you would help us to preach. In Jesus' name, amen. Matthew chapter 6, verse 5, and when you pray. Now let me remind you that this is the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, which we've been uh, studying, middle of the Sermon on the Mount, in particular, uh, this mount. I, I took this picture uh, 14 years ago from the Sea of Galilee, looking up at, at that mount. Hopefully remember that uh, in Matthew chapter 4, Jesus was being followed by great crowds from Galilee, Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and beyond the Jordan. In other words, great crowds of every kind of people were following Jesus. Matthew 5, 1, seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and his disciples came to him. Now, this isn't the 12 disciples. Uh, Jesus hasn't even met all the disciples so far. We know that he's met four, four of them, but he hasn't really appointed them. Uh, disciple simply means learner. These are just people that want to hear what Jesus has to say. They just followed him up this little hill, not what we would call um, a mountain. This is the view from, from the mountain, looking down at Capernaum, where, you know, Jesus lived with Peter for, for a while. At the end of the sermon, Matthew 7, 28, Matthew comments that the crowds were astonished at what Jesus said, which meant that the crowds followed him up, up the mountain, uh, this, this little hill. This is a picture of me preaching um, to the crowd on the, that very same mount, mount. In fact, I think, I think you can see Jolene Miller kind of just a little bit. She's in that white hat over the left shoulder of the woman in the denim shirt. Uh, she's listening to me with rapt attention because she's a disciple. So yeah, <laughs> this is where me and Jesus preach the Sermon on the Mount. Just saying. Matthew 6, 5, and when y'all pray, it's important to note, uh, you as second person plural pronoun, when y'all pray, that some of the y'all was pagan. So when they prayed, uh, they may have said some pretty bizarre stuff to some pretty bizarre characters like Artemis, Asherah, Zeus, Apollo, even Hades. Others in the crowd, however, were good Jews, and we know that every day they practice a pretty impressive prayer regimen. Twice a day, they were to recite the Shema, three beautiful verses out of Scripture. Three times a day, they were to pray the 18 benedictions, a beautiful, beautiful prayer, but five pages long if you download it from the internet. In addition, there are prayers prescribed for everything from seeing a lake to the use of new furniture. I mean, they prayed a lot, and we all know that the scribes and the Pharisees were like the Olympic athletes of prayer. They were considered to be world champions of religious discipline. And, and, and hopefully remember that Jesus has just been talking, we talked about this last time, about the three cardinal disciplines of the Jewish faith, giving, prayer, and fasting. He just said that when you give, 
your right hand should not know what your left hand is doing. The movement should be unconsciously perfect. And, and last time we surmised that the only conceivable way that could happen was if our discipline were like transformed into a dance such that the logos, uh, the logic bypassed our conscious mind and animated all the members of the body. Like music animates a body in, in dance. We, we called the sermon Discipline to Dance. Well, have you ever been to a church function? Like, you know, a potluck or a party, a youth group, and, and someone says, all right, circle up, time to pray. And all the dance turns to discipline. You have to get in a circle, hold hands, listen to people complain about God, or try to manipulate God into getting the stuff that they, they want, or, or impress each other with how much they know about God. Maybe inform God of a million details that he, apparently he, he's un, unaware of. Dance to, to discipline. The dance turns to discipline. That's what I was saying. Rather than discipline to dance, dance to discipline. Happens all the time. I grew up in the church. And I've spent much of my life, well, still sometimes, pretty confused about prayer, feeling guilty about prayer, making myself forcing myself to engage in prayer, not knowing what to say in prayer, totally bored with prayer. <sighs> wondering how to make prayer work, wondering how to, how to pray. Matthew 6, 5, and when you pray, says Jesus, you must not be like the hypocrites, the actors, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others, by other people. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward but when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases, bada lageo, bada bada bada, as the nations or the Gentiles do, for, for they think they'll be heard for their many words, their polylogia. Don't be like them, because your Father knows what you need before you ask him. So Jesus tells us how not to pray. Don't act. It's not about impressive words. It's obviously fine to pray written out beautiful prayers, because Jesus did that. They're called the, the Psalms. And it's, and it's good to pray publicly, but not in order to impress the, the public. So if you feel like crap and you don't know what to say, pray, I feel like crap and I, I don't know what to say. It's not about impressive words or repetitive words. Bada lageo. Logos or logeo, you know that means like logic or word. It literally means word. And Strong's lexicon suggests that bada may refer to this particular ancient author known for tedious and wordy poems, Pada Lageo. So Jesus says, you won't be heard for your impressive, babbling abundance of words, polylogia, many words. I'm not a Roman Catholic, so I don't understand the whole Hail Mary thing very well, but it appears that God is not counting, he's not into counting the number of times you, you say it even if it's a, a perfectly good prayer. I'm, I'm not Roman Catholic. 
But I am evangelical Protestant, and we seem to be convinced that God is impressed with internet prayers that you forward to your friends. So you get as many people as possible, and then you might, might get blessed. And big conventions where we get as many people as possible saying the same prayer, so we get as many people praying it so God might hear us and listen and heal our land. And we certainly believe that even if God doesn't count our Hail Marys, he does count the number of minutes we spend in our quiet times. Very impressive. We advertise 24-hour prayer ministries. Continuous houses of prayer. And St. Paul does say, uh, pray constantly. The scripture says that, so I'm sure constant prayer is good. But Jesus says, well listen, you won't be heard for your abundance of words. In fact, God, your Father doesn't need to be informed at all. <laughs> Shock. He already knows what you need. My daughter Elizabeth used to just pray and pray and pray. She loved to talk. But then she'd end her prayers by saying this. But you already know that because you can read my brain. And then she'd giggle and say amen. I think God liked her prayers. But not because he learned something new. He just liked to hear Elizabeth talk. Jesus says your father already knows what you need before you ask him, which makes us wonder, well then why should we ask? You know, when my kids were little, I almost always knew what they wanted before they asked, but I still wanted them to ask. I just loved to hear them talk. I knew what they wanted, but I'm not sure that they knew what they wanted. Elizabeth wanted a pet buffalo. We were driving the I-70, and she saw the buffalo. She wanted a, 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 a pet buffalo. I'm happy she asked, but, but I had to convince her, and this took quite a while, that once she had a buffalo, once we had a buffalo in the backyard, she might not want to keep the buffalo in the backyard. The earthly-minded person thinks that when he prays, the important thing is that God should hear what he is praying for, wrote Soren Kierkegaard. And yet, in the true eternal sense, it is just the reverse. The true, relationship in, the true relation in prayer is not when God hears what is prayed for, but when the person praying continues to pray until he is the one who hears, who hears what God is asking for. In the words of Madeleine L'Engle, until I tell God what I want, I have no way of knowing whether or not I truly want it. So anyway, Jesus says, look, it's not about impressive words or many words. It's not about magic words. In Scripture, magic, witchcraft, or, or sorcery is all about finding ways to manipulate deities into performing your will. But faith is all about surrendering your will to the deity that you might perform his will, the good will, the good free will. You know, God is the only one with a perfectly free will, and you're destined for free will. Well, magic is all about using God to obtain things that aren't God. That means it's all about using love in order to obtain things that aren't love or, or other than love. But, but like we said last time, love is not a means to obtain rewards. Love is the reward. God is love. So to take the name of the Lord in vain is to try and manipulate love for your own unloving and vain purposes. It's magic. It's witchcraft. Sorcery. Which, which gives me pause when I think about things like 
the Jabez prayer. Remember that? Everybody was praying the Jabez prayer. Pray this obscure prayer in First Chronicles and <clears throat> it will work. You will be blessed. That book sold like a gazillion copies 20 years ago. And check this out. It's a great little prayer, the Jabez prayer. First Chronicles chapter 4. But imagine if I overheard my children speaking and one of them said to the other, Does talking to dad work for you? And the, and the other one said, oh, yeah, and I'll tell you how to make it work for you. I'll tell you how to make dad work for you for just $14.95 plus shipping and handling. I'm absolutely convinced God raises the dead, heals the sick, drives out demons, grants visions, causes people to speak in tongues. But I'm unaware of anything like a, a how-to section in Scripture, a, 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 a list, a recipe describing how to get what you want from God, at, at least not in the New Testament. In junior high, I learned that I was supposed to pray in the name of Jesus. So I began ending all my prayers in the name of Jesus. I, I still do that today. Lord God, give me a buffalo in Jesus' name. And then I think prayer doesn't work. There's no buffalo in the backyard. So there's probably no Father in heaven. I have scientific proof that God does not exist. The Lord says, you will not take my name in vain. At the burning bush, he revealed that his name is Yahweh. I am that I am, he says, Yahweh. But, it, but in, in fear of taking that name in vain, the Jews well, they stopped taking it at all. That's why to this day, most Jews will not speak the name out of fear of taking it in vain. And, and we're not actually entirely sure what it, what it is because ancient Hebrew, the written form of Hebrew, only included the consonants and the vowels were remembered from the recitation of the, of the words and they only recited the name on the Day of Atonement in, in the temple. So after the time of the Christ and the destruction of the temple, the recitation of the word became illegal, which is ironic because the prophet Joel says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord, yod heh vav heh, those are the four consonants, will be saved. We think, that, we think the name is, is Yahweh, but some have thought maybe it's Yahovah or Jehovah. Whatever the case, it's the first part of Yahshua, which is Jesus in English, meaning Yahweh is salvation or Yahweh. Say, the name Jesus is a prayer. Yahweh, help. Still to this day, occult practitioners will we use the name, the Tetragrammaton, the yod heh vav -Hey. They'll use the four consonants in God's name for incantations and, and spells. They can use the written form. According to Jewish legend, this was how rabbis made monsters in medieval times, in the ancient days. That's how they made the, the golem. They would make a figure out of clay and then use Hashem, uh, the name, the holy name, to animate the clay. Just last week on Netflix, I'm watching some monster movie and this kid's being chased by a golem and uh, he runs, he finally kills the golem by wiping the name Hashem off of the forehead of the mud monster. You see, we'd all like to know that word, right? 
We'd all like access to a word or a name so powerful that it would immediately grant access to the holy, transform all of reality, make a way where there is no way, and and fill all of our enemies with terror. And yet a name with such power would surely be dangerous. Leviticus 4, uh, 24, yeah, 24, a man uses the name of God to, to curse someone with whom he's, He's fighting, that's how he uses the name, and Israel is commanded to stone that man to death. It's no wonder the Jews were terrified to even speak the name of the one whose presence would manifest in the holy of holies, in the heart of the temple, behind the curtain, the holy one of Israel. So anyway, Jesus tells these folks on the mountain how not to pray. And now he will tell them how to pray. And what he says is hilarious, shocking, and absolutely revolutionary. He says it here on the mountain, but it appears he also said it in in other places. We know of at least one, but I imagine he said it in, in a lot of different places, a lot of different occasions. In Luke, later in his ministries, one of the disciples says to Jesus, Sir or Lord, because he's not saying the name of the Old Testament there, but but sir, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples to pray. You know, those guys had classes, seminars, workbooks, and a video series. Actually, he didn't say that last part, but I'm sure he meant it. Lord, teach us how to pray like my Spanish teacher taught me how to speak Spanish. Tell us how to make it work so I can go to Mexico and order a margarita. Teach us how to talk to God. And Jesus says, okay, okay, say this. Luke 11, verse two. When you pray, say this. What follows is just four sentences and apparently, as far as I could tell, no magic words. It's hilarious in light of the the Shema, the 18 benedictions, the Psalms, the liturgy in the temple, all our books, videos, and classes on prayer. Okay, sure, I'll teach you. Say this. It's basically what he says here in Matthew to this crowd on the mountain. He says, look, it's not about twisting God's arm. You won't be heard from any words, your impressive words. Your father already knows what you need. Verse nine, pray then like this. Our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also forgive or have forgiven our debtors and lead us, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Period. Next question. See, I I think that's hilarious because it's just so simple. It's shocking because of the holy name and who is commanded to say it. It's revolutionary because it's the door to a kingdom, actually an entire new creation. Our Father, who art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name. So what is the holy name? Maybe the name is Yahweh. But maybe it's something else. What is the name that gives you access to the throne of God, makes a way where there is no way, transforms reality, and strikes terror into the heart of your enemies? 
Imagine you're driving down some dark street in downtown Denver late, late at night. You're in a foul mood when in the rearview mirror, mirror you see a car swerving across traffic in, in the background. You notice that it's packed with a bunch of teenagers and they appear to be partying. Up ahead, the light turns red. Other cars start crossing the intersection. But then to your horror, as you glance up, you realize that that car behind you is not stopping. It runs into the back of your brand new Acura at 25 miles an hour. After you compose yourself, make sure you're still alive. This anger boils up inside you. You get angry. You jump out of the car screaming and yelling. Young kids jump out of the other car. They scatter in every direction. But you hone in on the driver and you start chasing him on foot. You chase him down a dark alley that empties out onto the 16th Street Mall. Just as the boy runs from the alley into the mall, as you're screaming invectives at him, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to break you in a million pieces. The boy runs smack dab into a policeman. He would have knocked this policeman over. Except he's huge. He's wearing a badge. Says chief of police. He carries two handguns, a nightstick. He has to roll up his sleeves just to make room for all his muscles. He looks at the boy. He looks at you. He looks back at the boy. And then the boy speaks. What's the most terrifying thing that that boy could say in that moment? Dad, this guy's chasing me. You see, there's just something about that name. Think about speaking that name. I was walking down a dimly lit street late one evening when I heard muffled screams coming from behind a clump of bushes, writes Greg O'Leary. I panicked when I realized that what I was hearing were the unmistakable sounds of a struggle, heavy grunting, frantic scuffling, the tearing of fabric. Only yards from where I stood, a woman was being attacked. Should I get involved? I, I was frightened for my own safety, and I cursed myself for having suddenly decided to take a new route home that night. Shouldn't I just run to the nearest phone and call the police? Although it seemed like an eternity, the deliberation in my head had taken only seconds. I knew that I had to act fact, I, fast. I, I, I could not turn my back on the fate of this unknown woman, even if it meant risking my own life. I'm not a brave man, nor am I athletic. I don't know where I found the strength, but I ran behind the bush pulled the assailant off the woman, grappling. We fell to the ground where we wrestled for a few minutes until the attacker jumped up and escaped. Panting hard, I scrambled upright, approached the girl who was crouched behind a tree, sobbing in the darkness. Not wanting to frighten her further, I at first spoke to her from a distance. It's okay, I said soothingly. The man ran away. You're safe now. There was a long pause, and then I heard her words uttered in wonder. Dad? Is that you? Thinking about, think about, about hearing the name, like Greg O'Leary. Dad? 
I've told you about the box of home movies in our hall closet. Now I can barely bring myself to watch them. Well, looking at uh, my video of the kids' worship service, which I used last time, I, I watched the part of another video I filmed in my father's backyard as I, as I showed my children where I had, had grown up. Everywhere I go in the video, following my dad or my three older children, you could hear a voice in the background behind me uh, saying uh, just, just one word, speaking a word. And when I heard the word on the video, it was like someone reached into my chest and just grabbed my heart and began to squeeze the voice just said daddy 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 I, I would stop and I would I would say yeah what is it Coleman and he would say uh daddy um daddy 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 he didn't know what he wanted except daddy it was like sonar for him so he would follow me wherever I went just say daddy Daddy, daddy, daddy. He's married now. Working on a PhD in geotectonics at Utah State University. Planning to see him next week. And, and when I do, he'll say, hey, dad. And that same hand will reach into my chest and begin to squeeze because you see, Coleman has the power to hallow my name. You don't have that power. If you call me dad, I'll laugh and say, I'm not your dad. I'm not going to help you pay for your college loans. But one of these four people can say that name. And when they say it, they make it, make it holy. They can say the name because I gave them the name to say. Before each of them were born, they would listen to my voice in the mother's womb. They were in their mother's womb because I put them in their mother's womb, and that was not a sad day. That was a very glad day. They were a piece of me in her, and they would listen to my voice, but, but they didn't know my name, and they had not yet said my name. But once they left that womb, well, each day I would just hold them in my arms for, for hours. At first, they'd just mutter and babble, bada, 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 babble and, and coo, but I'd say, I'd say, say, dada, say, say, dada, dada, say, say, dada, say. I'd speak the word into them in the hope that it would return to me. And the moment one of them said anything remotely close to Dada, I just yelled, Susan, John said my name. Elizabeth, she knows me. Becky said the word Coleman. Coleman, he said the word Hashem. He said my name, Daddy. That's me, Daddy. And then we'd start talking, me and them, me and Coleman, we'd start talking, and we really haven't stopped when I see Coleman. We'll talk about flat plate subduction, geomorphology, maybe a little uh, theology, but it all began with Dada. And he's never taken a class <laughs> or watched a video on how to talk to Dad. 
He, he may have listened to his brother or sisters on how to get stuff from dad, but I, I worked really hard to make sure that that you know, just didn't work for him. Each of my children knows how to talk to me. They learn to talk to me by talking to me. And with each of my children, it's a, a little bit different. I mean, in other words, we each have our own particular language. I don't speak exactly the same to each of, of my children. But with all of my children, it began with, say, dada. It wasn't like learning a foreign language for them. It's not their second language. Talking to me is their native tongue. So when the disciples ask Jesus how to pray in Luke, he says, say daddy. And now to the crowd, he says, pray our daddy. Most versions translate his statement, our father. Matthew writes in, in Greek, and the Greek word translated father is pater. And, and, and that's a good translation in Greek, but but we're pretty sure that Jesus normally spoke Aramaic. Greek was the trade language since Alexander had conquered Palestine a few hundred years before, but the common people spoke this old Semitic language that had been melded with Hebrew since the sixth century BC. The Hebrew word for father is ab or abi. The Aramaic word for father is, is abba, like, like papa or dada. It's a, it's a child's name that a child speaks. There's a name like that in every, every language, abba, papa, uh, dada, but, but it's, it's, it's dada or daddy, but, but one that's been appropriated by adults, like our word dad. Most Bible scholars I've read think it's the word Jesus would have spoken because of the way pater appears in the sentence structure as a familiar word of address and, and because they spoke Aramaic and because the original Aramaic is preserved in three places in Scripture by Mark and Paul along with the Greek pater as if to say, this is what we mean when we say father. We mean dad. We might say that Henry Ford is the father of the American motor car, but you would not say that Henry Ford is the dad of your Ford Taurus. It was common to refer to God as the father of Israel, but the way Jesus said father, you see, got him crucified. John 5, 17, my father is working until now and I'm working, says Jesus. Next verse, this was why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him because he was even calling God his own father. You see, that's a, that's a dad. He was calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. If you say that George Washington is the father of your country and you're the part of the country, blah, 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 that's one thing, but if you say George Washington is my dad, That's different. God is my dad means that I'm of the same substance. His life is in my veins. His breath is in my lungs. His DNA is in every cell. I am literally the fruition of his seed. Sperma in Greek, if you're not following what I'm saying. Jesus says, pray our dad. No, it was absolutely scandalous that Jesus referred to Yahweh as his dad. And you see, it's still absolutely scandalous that Jesus would say to a crowd of unbaptized Jews and pagans, pray, 
imperative tense, command, pray, our dad. He used to be surrounded by folks and ordained by folks that love to point out that, well, God is not the, not the father of all. Even though Ephesians 4, 6, Paul clearly says there's one God, one father of all, who is over all, through all, and in all. In the book of Acts, chapter 17, speaking to pagan philosophers in Athens, Paul quotes one of their Greek poets saying, God himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. And this is now where he quotes the poet. We are indeed his offspring. Genos, from genomai, where we get our words genetics and, and genesis. Well, my old crowd would say, well, offspring doesn't mean... God's their own father, like, like dad doesn't mean own father. They point to John 8, where Jesus says to some Jews who had, who had, quote, had believed in him, he says, you are of your father the devil. And the Mokro says, see, not everyone. Some are not children of God. Then they point to John 1, 12. God gave the right to become. Genomai is, is the verb, children of God or sons of God. Then they point to John 1, 18, where John refers to Jesus as the monogenes, from manos meaning only, and genomai to, to, to become. He, Jesus is the only begotten, only begotten son of God, but they fail to notice that Jesus says to Nicodemus in John 3, you must be begotten, genao, from genomai, you must be begotten from above. Well, if Jesus is the only begotten, and Nicodemus is to be begotten, that can only happen because like Jesus is begotten in Nicodemus. Or Nicodemus and Jesus, or some of them are begotten together. Acts 17, Paul says to the pagans, we are indeed his genos, his begotten, his offspring, Which means he's trying to say to all these guys on Mars Hill in Acts 17, say Abba, Daddy. Romans 8, 15, pay close attention. You did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of sonship. Some translate that as ad adoption, and it meant that, but more than that, it's literally sonship. The word son is even in, in the word. When we cry, Abba, Father, when we cry, Abba, Father, it is the spirit. What spirit? The spirit of God the Father and the spirit of God the only begotten Son. It is the spirit himself bearing witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Galatians 4, 6, listen really closely. And because you are sons, not because you could be sons or you might be sons, but because you are sons, because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his Son into our hearts crying, Abba, Father. When did he do that? When did he send that spirit into our hearts? Was that in the garden on Mount Calvary when he delivered up his spirit on the tree? <sighs> that spirit that then falls on the church at Pentecost? Or was it in the garden of Eden when he breathed his spirit <sighs> into, the, into the clay? Or is it both? Because that garden stands at the edge of time and eternity, and you can even find it in the depths of your heart, your soul. Well, anyway, in John 8, Jesus does say to some Jews, you are of your father, the devil. But don't you understand? The devil cannot father people. The devil cannot make 
people. The next thing Jesus says, the devil is the father of lies. He can only make lies about people. Who is it that Jesus the truth Remember these stories. Who is it that Jesus the truth does not know on that day? He does not know your ego, which is a lie that you have made yourself in the image of God with knowledge that you have taken from the tree. He does not know the lie that you are not a little child of God. He's utterly unimpressed with your resume. But he died so that you would say, Abba. Our Abba. Well, anyway, in John 8, Jesus says that thing about the devil. In John 10, Jews have picked up stones in order to stone him for claiming that God is his dad and thus making himself equal to, to God. And to them, to these Jews, Jesus quotes Psalm 82, 6. I said, you are gods, sons of the Most High, all of you. Do you hear what Jesus is saying? My daddy is your daddy. Which means we got the same daddy, little brother, little sister. It means you're a child of God. And yet, y'all, you, y'all, you're trapped in a lie that you are not a little child of God. You're all trapped in the illusion that you are a self-made man or a self-made woman. You're trapped in a lie that you got no daddy. And so, my little brother and sister, say Abba. Say our Abba, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Everything has been arranged. Every star is in its place. Every wound is on your body. Every longing is in your soul. With all creation, you see, it's, it's, all, it's all there on purpose because with all creation, your father Father holds you, and he has been holding you in his arms, and soon he will send me from the tree in the garden to die and rise as the word ascending from behind the torn curtain in the depths of your soul as together we cry, Abba, say Abba. The name Jesus, Yeshua, literally means Yahweh saves. Or Yahweh help. You can only say Abba to Yahweh by the power of Jesus and, and, in, in, and in his name. And I'm not even sure that means you have to know his name, but his name means God help. And if you say Abba to Yahweh, you, you have been begotten from above. You are his son, his daughter. You are the very body of the only begotten. Now, you may not have understood all of that theology. You certainly did not understand the interface between time and eternity in the Garden of Eden and the Garden of Calvary, but you did understand what Jesus said. Pray, imperative tense. Our Father. Now, would Jesus, the truth, command you to lie about God to God. I'm thinking no. So if God is your Abba, you're his child. And now would Jesus the truth command you to lie about your neighbor? I'm guessing no. 
So if God is our Abba, your neighbor is also his child. And you see, that changes absolutely everything. Imagine if that kid you chased from the scene of the accident that ran into the chief of police said, said, Dad, and then you looked again and you also said, Dad, you've been working out? <laughs> Brother, I, I, didn't, I didn't realize that was you. Imagine if you were Greg O'Leary and the young woman looked up through her tears and said, Dad, then you turned around and saw the assailant and he also said, Dad, you know something like that actually happened to King David and Tamar and Amnon and Absalom and David is called the man after God's own heart because something like that happens to God our Father every minute of every day and that's where the story really, really, really gets astonishing. We'll talk about this next week but I really believe that all Christian ethics can be reduced to three words. Pray our dad. Sanctuary exists because we feel called to say to anyone and everyone, when you pray, pray as Jesus taught us, saying, our dad. But now you can't say our dad if you cannot say my dad. And some of you have had some pretty bad dads. And yet even your bad dads create a longing within you, don't they? For what? A good dad. And Jesus has just been telling us, you have the very, 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 very best dad. My dad is the very, very, very best dad. That's what he's been telling us. I had a great earthly dad, but for some reason I've prayed for some folks with terrible dads. And at least in four instances, four of those dads had been involved in, in, in the occult. And I mean magic, witchcraft, and sorcery. It was over 20 years ago now, and I don't think any of you know this person currently, this old friend of mine. She had a dissociative disorder such that different parts of her would speak at, at different times. And sometimes they weren't parts of her speaking. They were demons and they were not subtle. Well, one night, 20-some years ago, in our old prayer room, Aram Haratunia and I helped her pray through an absolutely horrifying memory. I won't recount it here and now because it's just too intense for this setting. The memory was so very real for this old friend of mine, and, and then the memory became a vision. If you've ever witnessed something like this, you begin to realize that the vision is more real than the memory. In fact, the vision is more real than the room that you happen to be sitting in at the time. It's eternal. Suffice it to say that in, the vision, in this vision, Jesus appeared in, in her, her memory, 
and he rescued her from the death and the hell in which she had been trapped. It was absolutely breathtaking. He held her and he told her how he hurt for her, hurt with her, and hurt in her, for he would not leave her nor forsake her. She was describing this amazing vision and the things that Jesus was saying. I remember her eyes were closed when all of a sudden she jumped up and she just started screaming, did you hear that? Did you hear that? Did you? You had to have heard that. Her eyes were wide with wonder and then she said this, I just heard Jesus say, don't you know, don't you know, don't you know that your daddy is my daddy? We have the same daddy, my little sister. See, that's good news. And that changes everything. So in the name of Jesus, say, our Abba, the one in heaven, who art in heaven, Hallowed be your name. When you say, Our Abba, Jesus, rising from the dead, destroys the work of the devil and releases the son or daughter of God that you truly are. And so how can you say Abba? Well, on the night that he was betrayed, our big brother, the word of God, the promised seed, the only begotten. He took bread and broke it, saying, this is my body given to you. Take and eat. And in the same way, he took the cup, saying, this is the covenant in my blood, poured out for the forgiveness of sins. Drink of it, all of you. Now, Okay, now, take a little of the bread and the wine. If you forgot to bring it, just think of it, because you've done this before, right? And if you haven't done it before, you can do it right now. And take the seed, the body and the blood of the only begotten. And then, let's say it. Our Abba. Hallowed be your name, Abba, Dad. See, you have the power to hallow his name. What does this mean? It means that you have the power to reach into his chest and squeeze. How come? Because he's your dad. Amen. So let's talk to him. Say, our dad, who art in heaven, we, we hallow your name. <laughs> thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Your kingdom come, dad, on earth as it is in heaven.
Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our, our debts, our sins, as, as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into the test, into the temptation, but deliver us from evil. And God, I know this part is not in all the ancient manuscripts, but I think we can say it. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. And that's, that's good news. Now, I think by Jesus saying that, he's not saying that's all you can say to dad. It's just like getting us started. So I hope that you do pray constantly. I, th I think what that means is you're just aware of your father's presence with you. I mean, we were joking about that he knows our every thought or whatever, you know. But he's a good dad. I remember uh, my, just thinking about this, uh, my dad was with my sister Elizabeth. It, what Coleman had to have been about two. He was getting dressed, and he yelled at Elizabeth, don't look at me. You'll see my, my um, private parts. And Elizabeth said, oh, I already know you have private parts. So what's, what's the difference? I've seen him before. And he said, yeah, but that was before I knew I had him, <laughs> which just cracks me up because we all do that, right? But God made your private parts, and he's a good dad. He made every desire in your heart. He made the things that lead you into addiction. He knows you, and he wants the very best for you. So you can just imagine him being with you all the time. And I, I, I'm utterly convinced he's not shocked by anything you do because he knew about it before time, time began. So anyway, just think about him being with you all the time. So maybe you just are like Coleman. Maybe that's your sonar. You walk around going, Dad, Dad. Dad, just aware that he's with you, and, and then take time to talk to him. So, you know, I, I, I will make, I'll set a time, and I'll look at the clock, and it used to be so that I would get done, you know, I, I could mark it off my, my list, but man, I tell you anymore, I, I, it's so that I don't feel guilty about sitting there so long, and uh I just say our dad. Sometimes I say Jesus, and then I'm aware of him being there, sitting there. Sometimes I picture him there in different ways. And, and, and I like to try to pray for people, but you know, praying through lists just drives me crazy and it puts me to sleep. So what I will often do is I'll, I'll picture myself with dad. And, and by the way, if you picture yourself with Jesus, he said, if you've seen me, you've seen dad. So Jesus is what dad is like. He's the visible manifestation of dad. I just picture myself sitting there and then um, I, I bring that other person into the picture. Maybe I walk, if they're one of my kids, I walk them into the picture and just kind of stand them there and say, Dad, help them. I, I, and, then, and then I try to say what I think he wants me to say. And if it's someone that I'm really struggling with, I bring them into the picture. And when I say, Dad, help them, it's all of a sudden my attitude towards them changes uh, dramatically. And sometimes I'll pray in tongues. Sometimes I feel like he, he'll reveal things to me. I don't hear the way like my wife hears, but I know that he talks to me. But you see, it all starts, I think, the way Jesus said. Uh, our big brother says to you, say, our dad. You're talking to dad. And that's, that's good news.